Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 055. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, have you ever found yourself on the playground waiting to be picked for a team, only to see yourself standing among a dwindling number of prospects? Jesus' disciples knew something about that, as many of them might have been the last to be picked for any kind of team. But Jesus chose them for his, and he chooses us as well. Let's find out more. We remember the days in school, perhaps in particularly gym class, when the teacher would choose two captains to pick teams for a certain activity. I remember them all too well. Because the entire direction of your week could be built about around how that classmate draft went down. That was the time I learned all about high hopes. Because I had no aspirations of being picked first, like, you know, first round draft pick. I was the one who was like, I just want to be picked not last. Anything but last, I would have been satisfied with. But those, even though we maybe passed the time of this sort of stuff happening in school, or at least many of us, that idea still comes around. Even if we're not in a team draft. Because we all have the need, the desire to be accepted, loved, chosen, maybe even just for who we are and how we are. I mean, once we know that we aren't drowning and that we aren't going to get eaten by a bear, that's pretty much next on our list of needs as a human being. You know, that's not a Christian thing. That's not a a Western thing, that's just a human thing. What if there'd be a way we could have those needs met perfectly, even though we aren't perfect? Let's pray together. God, thank you for your stories that you you put in this word for us. How you have made it endure through so much so that we could learn a little of who you are and how you work. So allow that word today through the power of your spirit to transform us. Amen. Welcome to the newest season of the church calendar. As you can see, things are decked out a little bit differently than we have in other times of the year. As this is the first Sunday of Lent. A time of reflection. A time where we maybe face some of those darknesses of sin that are in our lives. And through God's power to, to turn away from them at this time that is a time of repentance. It all builds and, and anticipates and, and culminates in that pinnacle event that we were talking about earlier of the Christian year, of Easter. And as we build into that, and as we, we get into that, we're going to spend some time in the Gospels. Checking out those places where Jesus', Jesus path interacts with somebody one-on-one. Because sometimes those are the easiest places to drop ourselves into the story. You know, if Jesus is talking to a crowd or he's sharing something as though he's lecturing from a mountaintop, it can be a little hard sometimes to put ourselves into that. But when we see Jesus one-on-one, it becomes easier to imagine ourselves in that place and see maybe what Jesus is saying to us, as well as through what he's saying to whatever character he might be talking to. Character being about the best word I know of for this. 
We're going to start off early on in the Gospels, and we're going to hit really all the Gospels, but we're going to hit Mark's today, as Jesus is having his discipleship draft, if you will. Out of Mark 2, this is verses 13 through 17. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. And as he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Levi got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, Jesus did, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call, to call not the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, let's put this out there at the outset. This guy, Levi, he was an outcast dude. And if you read some of the similar accounts from other Gospels, you may hear a very, very similar storyline just with Matthew instead of Levi. They are the same person. It's the same instance. Matthew just happens to be a Greek name, Levi, a Hebrew name. But they're talking about the same person. But either name that you use, whether it's Matthew or Levi, this guy was a tax collector, outcast of the society. Even worse than the craziest ideas that we may have of an IRS agent. Because this guy, tax collectors, and Levi in particular, he was a local guy. He was a Jew from the community, collecting money for the enemy, for Rome. You know, the Jews wanted to have nothing to do with Rome. They were, like, they were the ones who were hoping Jesus, you know, a Messiah would come to free them from the oppression of Rome. And here's one of their own, taking money for them. It'd be like if Maisie came over here and came over here, grabbed the offering plates and said, thank you for your donation to the international culture of underwater basket weavers. Y'all might have a little something to say to Maisie. Perhaps in a room with no windows. But let's take it even a step further to get a real picture. I see a lot of glares going across the aisle. This is, this is working out well. Sorry, Maisie. I told you Friday I do love you. <laughs> let's take it a step further to, to really capture the picture. Let's say the first 20 that hits the plate, Maisie palms it, sticks it in her own pocket so that she can live the lavish lifestyle. Now, yeah, she probably would have had to do this many, many, many times to get to such a lap of luxury, but she wouldn't have had a problem with that. Done it each time with a smug look on her face. That was the tax collector. That was Levi. The Jews probably would have chosen probably would have drafted a leper before drafting Levi for their team. And yet, Jesus calls Levi. Walks through the crowd, in the midst of a crowd, goes up to this tax collector, and basically says, I want you. In front of everybody. Gives him that command, follow me. And it's not like Jesus, maybe I'm using a little bit of creative license here, but... It's not like Jesus just sort of stumbled on Levi. I honestly think he probably sought him out. Said, you know, if you imagine the disciple draft on ESPN, 
And Jesus comes up to the microphone and says, Disciples of Nazareth choose for their first round pick Levi of Capernaum. He chose him. And then he goes and he has dinner with the whole draft pool of outcasts, other tax collectors, other sinners. And the Pharisees are looking at this. The, the religious elite are looking at this and they're just going, what in the world? I mean, if this guy had any credibility, any authority to the things he was saying, because he's still you know, pretty young in his ministry, he's just throwing it all out the window. I mean, you could basically, your reputation could be shot for life just by breathing the same air as these people. I imagine they can't even come up with an intelligent question. They're just like, why? And on some level, honestly, I get where the Pharisees are coming from. Because you look at what Jesus has in front of him. He has access to everybody. He's, you know, first round, first choice, could take anybody he wants. And he's even got these, these Pharisees, these religious elite. They already know the law. They already live it out to the T. Now maybe some of them are like, you know, modern day sports all-stars. You know, maybe they're kind of crude and unpolished in front of a camera, but you know what? They know how to catch a ball. So choose them. Jesus, you got three years to, say, to change the world. Draft well. And yet, Jesus has this propensity towards drafting people who would fit the bad news bears far more than they would the New England Patriots. Even worse, or even more so, I guess I'll, I'll put it that way, Jesus sort of has this track record of choosing these kinds of people, these outcasts, these definitely not A-listers, maybe even C-listers, if you will. In one instance, in Luke 19, I believe, Jesus runs across this shorty named Zach. And Jesus is going through a crowd, because by this time, you know, people know who he is, and whenever he walks, people are gathering around him. And Zach is this short dude, so in order to even see Jesus, he's got to climb up a tree. And Jesus wades through the crowd who probably had you know, a lot of really good disciple prospects out there. I mean, some people who were, the scouts were eyeing some of the people in that crowd, I bet. Yes, I'm using a little creative license here, but run with this a little bit. And he comes up to the tree, and he says to Shorty Zach, I'm going to have dinner at your house. Just like Levi, Zach was a tax collector, outcast, leper by choice, if you will. And yet, Jesus chose him. And the stories, these are just two examples of stories that abound. Peter, Saul, just about every other Christian in existence. And it really makes, it makes me kind of beg the question, why did Jesus draft the way he did? What could possibly possess him to, to, make, to call these kinds of people when he had access to everybody. The whole humanity was in his option pool. And these are the people he chooses. I think there's two reasons that I could give. And this is not to be comprehensive about why Jesus would do this, but I think these are at least two valid reasons that Jesus would choose the people that he did throughout his ministry and 
really throughout the existence of Christianity. The first idea being that the bad news bearer knows they need help, knows they are not good all on their own. As Jesus says in verse 17, which says, Those who are well have no need of of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. I've come not to call the all-stars, but the bad news bearers. Now play this out a little bit, and, and maybe you'll see why I put these together. As an example, if I were to go into a bakery, I would be about as bad news bear as it gets. Okay, I can't make a cake to save my life. So let's say Jerry and I go to a bakery together. Of course, he decides to be working today, so I can't use him uh, in person. But let's say we're going to a bakery together, and we're going to work together on a cake. Here's my strategy. I'm going to shut my mouth and pay attention. Because I know he's going to drop a lot of information that is going to make me better at this idea of making a cake. I'm going to learn a lot from him. Because I know I have nothing to offer in that regard. I know very little. Now, by contrast, let's say you've got the person who thinks they're the bakery king or the bakery queen, and they go into the bakery with Jerry. You go, I have no need for him. I don't need his advice or his ideas. I know everything I need to know about how to make a cake. How much do you think they're going to learn? in the presence of somebody who knows how to do it very well. Nothing. Same kind of scenario in the Christian realm. There are those who will say, I got it all together, all by myself. I don't need Jesus' help. Pharisees kind of had this on lock. I mean, they thought they had spirituality, they thought they just had spirituality and, and religion figured out. And Jesus says, happy trails, Good luck on your own. Totally different story for the bad news bear who sticks by Jesus, who abides with Jesus, as Jesus says in another part of the gospel. But another reason I think Jesus has this strategy of who he picks to be on his team. If Jesus can use somebody like Levi, tax collector, outcast, shunned from the world, it's really proof he can use anybody. Yes, anybody who does ministry full-time, at some point, we reach, we reach some scenario where you're like, what in the world am I doing? This is way over my head. I cannot do this thing called ministry. And 100% of the time, the person who says that is right. Because Jesus is asking us to be his hands and feet to make a difference for him in this world. And that's above just about anybody's head. Now, if I, speaking for myself, if I looked at who Jesus chose to to be on his team, who he drafted, and all I see is Billy Graham, all I see is C.S. Lewis, all I see is Mother Teresa, I look at that statue, you know what I say? I'm staying in computers. I know how to work with them. I can't compete with that. Yet, Jesus doesn't just choose the Billies and the Teresas and the Clives. He chooses the Levi's. 
the Peters, the Sauls, the yous, the me's, to make a difference in the world for him. So what is that something that Jesus is asking you to do? That maybe you hold back or you hesitate about because you're like, this is over my head. I can't do this. Now, I'm not asking you to try and finish seminary by Easter. All I'm asking is for you to take one step towards exploring whatever that thing is that you hesitate about, that you think is too far. Just to take that one step of faith, just like Peter did, with a boat, and see if Jesus can't change the world through you. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.